Hey, 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 what's going on, everyone? You are now listening to Resilience in Action with Aaron Brown. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Resilience in Action with Aaron Brown. We are here with speaker, coach, author, Mills Rogers. Mr. Rogers, go ahead and tell us about yourself. A little bit about myself. I am a speaker. I am an author. I do coaching. I'm located here in Austin, Texas. You see it right outside the window right there. No, it's just a virtual background, actually. It's not the, that's not my view, but that, that view is not too far from me. Uh, <laughs> and so I speak uh, on leadership, uh, personal development, also a little bit about special education. I'm a former educator. I taught 15 years in public schools. And so that's a, a interest of mine. And so that's a little bit about myself. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, so, so you are a speaker. How long have you been speaking for? I've been speaking since February, 2017. Uh, been doing it full time since July of 2019. Okay. Okay. So you made the jump. So you still, you were speaking as well as teaching uh, between 17 and 19. And then 19 is when you made the jump to fully commit. Yeah. I took a leap of faith. Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> great. Great. So how's that, how's that leap um, been for you thus far? Uh, I mean, it's, it's been good. I mean, uh, I've been able to sustain even through the pandemic. Uh, you know, we all had to kind of pivot to doing like virtual engagements and everything. But, uh, you know, thank God I've been able to maintain and uh, not saying it's not a grind. You know, you definitely gotta, you gotta wake up in the morning and your feet hit the ground figuratively as far as just getting to work and everything. But, uh, you know, it's, it's been good. And, uh, you know, the pandemic is kind of, um, you know, it's been, it's not as intense as it was before. And so, I've had an opportunity to do some in-person engagements. I've done more in-person over the past year or so compared to virtual. So, you know, that's been a blessing too. Good, good. So getting in person, um, can you tell us a little bit of a difference that you find between in-person and uh, virtual events? Yeah, you know, I like I, I liken it to driving at night. You know, virtual is like driving at night because, yeah, you know, you can, uh, you know, if, if you're driving at night, you can get to your destination, but you're not going to, uh, the, the, the the sensory aspect of it is not the same. You know, you're not going to be able to see the landmarks, uh, things that are cool along the way, but you'll get to where you need to go. Well, that's how I see virtual, you know, because virtual, again, you're not, it's not, you know, when you're in person, you can uh, see body language a lot of times. And, you know, the energy is a lot different. You know, you can feel people's energy. They can feel your energy. Whereas when you're doing virtual, it's, it's just not to the same degree. And it's some things you have to work harder at. Like you have to work harder at your energy as a speaker for virtual. But, you know, it's a, it's a process. And um, I've gotten very comfortable with it. And you know, it's where I've had to adjust my mentality about doing virtual. And now it's like, okay, it's not too bad because even if, for example, the, the turnout isn't great for virtual, 
you can just really just make some quick adjustments and make it more intimate and more of a Q&A and that sort of thing. And so, you know, I've really enjoyed that in my, my latest virtual engagements, my more recent virtual engagements. Gotcha, gotcha. So um, your virtual engagement, I've had, um, I've, I've had like a little behind the scenes with your setup, like you have the lights and the, the everything, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I got a softbox right in front of me right now. And yeah, this is a green screen. And of course, you know, I found a picture of my city to put on the green screen and, uh, you know, I got a stand. And so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's something that anyone can do. And I mean, I didn't spend a lot of money on this at all, uh, probably about $60 at the most between the, the softbox, the green screen, the stand and a little microphone that I got right there. So, yeah, it, it's not. You know, it's it's pretty pretty uh, economical. And and in times like we're we're in right now, economical is is the way. Yes, it <laughs> is absolutely the way. Um, okay, let's talk about you are you're an author, and let's I want to jump right in because you just released a book yesterday. Right. Yeah. So yeah. speaking yeah. your speaking business into existence. Tell us about that. How'd you come up with that idea, that concept? Well, you know, I started a group, you know, a while back and uh, just for, you know, advice on the speaking game and everything. And uh, in all honesty, you know, I get a lot of people DMing me about, hey, you know, I want to pick your brain. I want to get this and that. And mm -hmm. You know, if okay, if I could just be totally transparent, like initially, I'd be like, okay, you know, that's cool. But then after a while, you know, you get it so much and it becomes so time consuming. And mm -hmm. also, you know, you got to value your own time, you know, and and uh, and I would always, I'd even say, hey, I offer coaching, but then, you know, people wouldn't want to move forward with that. So I'm like, you know, maybe I need to come up with a, a, a low cost product that people can have access to. And uh, they're, they, they're picking my brain, which you got to pay $15, $14 for it, which is nothing, you know, that's nothing for what you can get out of it. You know, mm -hmm. you can get, you can get for even on the lower end, you know, come on, that's a, a worthy investment. Wait, you know, it's going to pay for itself many, 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 many times over. So, you know, it's like, come on. So yeah, that's where I came up with it, and uh, I feel like you know it can really help people. Where did um? Where actually? Where can we? I'm gonna go ahead and, and give you this plug. Where can we find that book? Well, if you're in my group, you know, right now it's uh, you know, I do have a post in my group speaking your speaking business into existence that you can access it. However, um, if you're not in the group, I got you too. Uh, go to my website, www.successisaprocess.net, and if you scroll down, you'll see on the left, uh, you'll see Speaking Your Speaking Business into Existence. You just got to click on that link, and it'll take you to where you can access a copy of it for $14. So it's an ebook that you have instant access to right away. Perfect, perfect, mm -hmm. perfect, perfect. Okay, let's, um, I want to talk about another book that you've written, uh, You Can Win Being You. Now, this is your 
I want to say from what I've seen, this is your signature right. book go-to yeah. presentation. Talk about that a little bit. Where did that um, idea come from? Well, you know, it's funny because I was doing presentations and, uh, you know, the way I, I do my presentations, you know, I don't have a big script written out or anything. And, you know, a lot of times it's just, I'm just pouring from off the top, you know, from the heart. And I started saying that you can win being you. And, uh, and I thought about it afterwards, after I said it a couple of times, uh, you know, maybe one or two presentations, I'm like, I like that. <laughs> you know, I really like that. And I'm like, I, I'm going to uh, revise my book and make that the title. And that's basically how it came up. So, yeah, when the world slowed down, when the pandemic started, I'm like, hey, I got a little extra time. Let me revise my book. And so, yeah, mm -hmm. I revised it, put that as the title. And, uh, you know, yeah, that's like my signature talk. You know, most, most of the time when I'm speaking, like 90% of the time, that's the presentation I'm giving. Perfect, perfect. Um, and how is how is the information you provide, how is that received from the students, from the the uh, the people that you're you're giving your presentation to? How is that received? Oh, it's it's well received. I like to um, you know, I like to make my presentations interactive. I like to make it to where they can they have some very obvious takeaways. So I've created a number of acronyms within my presentation that they, they love, you know, that's one thing that I get complimented on is that, hey, we can walk away and, you know, especially if I'm talking to middle school or high school students, like we can walk away and talk about this in class. You know, this is something we can refer to each day. You know, you got to go hard. You know, mm -hmm. I come up with an acronym for that. And uh, so, I mean, they love it. And, um, you know, I've gotten some really great feedback and, you know, it's just, uh, it's touching to see that it, it makes a difference. You know, I like to tell stories, personal stories. And um, so, you know, I feel like my presentations usually, you know, I feel like whoever is in the audience, they're going to find at least one thing that they could truly, truly identify with, if not more than just that one thing. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's what, what sets like the basic, speakers who have a script and they're reading from the page or reading from one thing that bores me is when you're reading from the 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 slides like verbatim like that da, 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 that's so boring it's not engaging but I think it's awesome you know your ability to go into the event and just pour into those those individuals that you you know you captivate their attention for however long you have it. That's amazing. What, what would you say has been your biggest challenge in the, in the speaking realm? In the speaking realm, it's just getting people to know who you are. You know, yeah. um, It's funny because I was talking with my fiance this morning and I'm like, you know, gosh, it's just a, you know, I feel like if more people knew of what I had to offer, they would definitely be on board. But that's always the catch is getting people to know who you are, to know that, hey, I, I got this that could possibly help your your students, your employees, you know. And uh, so to me, that's that is the most challenging thing. Like that's the grind of it right there is, you know, selling yourself to people and letting them know that, hey, you're available for them. And mm -hmm. so, 
Hey, that's a big challenge right there. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would agree. Mm-hmm. I would agree that um gaining that celebrity status um in your in your area is mm-hmm. is like something that there's no better like referral than like word of mouth. Like I had Mills come talk to my class and the amount of information and what he poured into my students. Like I cannot speak, you know, better of him and what he was able to do. I feel like that that type of conversation between one person and another person is better than anything you can read. You know, anything someone can type is having that word of mouth. So I absolutely understand that challenge with, you know, letting people know, hey, this is what I do. How can I help you? What is uh, one way that you've tried to tackle that challenge? Well, you know, you try to stay active on social media. Um, Also, you know, and, and when I say social media, of course, we're talking Facebook, Instagram, but yeah, also, I'm starting to understand, I feel like I'm getting a better understanding of how LinkedIn uh, is a, really a great platform, mm-hmm. even though you might not see as much engagement on LinkedIn, you know, you got a lot of people passively looking at you. And so mm-hmm. I've really made a lot more effort uh, to, to put stuff out there on LinkedIn consistently. Um, and, and it does seem to help. Um and, you know, just being a creator, creating more things that people could possibly need, you know, creating more presentations. Uh, that's that's something that I've done. And it's definitely helped get like repeat business, you know, mm-hmm. because let's say I do You Can Win Being You, then, all right, well, you know, I mean, a, a school or a program, they, they don't need to hear that presentation several times a year, uh, but they may be interested in another presentation I offer, like maybe mm-hmm. career readiness. So I, I do the, come back and do get ready for them. And so, you know, that's something I would encourage anyone, you know, that's in the speaking game to do is, you know, have more than one uh, type of presentation because, you know, it's all about once you're in there with somebody and you've done a good job, then chances are they, they, they'll want to go back to you. Mm-hmm. And so, but the thing is though, again, most people are not going to bring the same speaker in for the same presentation yearly because their staff ain't going to completely turn over in a year. Their students aren't going to completely turn over in a year. So even if you do a a kick-ass job as a speaker um, one year for orientation or, well, orientation is a different story because they could bring you in year by year. But but like if you're going to... uh, you know, that would make sense because it's a different group, you know, but a lot of times, especially at schools, colleges, it's not going to be a completely different group. So they might not need me to come back and do You Can Win Being You for another two years until most of those mm-hmm. students that saw it initially are gone. Yeah. So that's where having that extra, those extra um, or additional presentations really helps because then it'd be like, oh, we can bring, you know, Mills Rogers back to talk about career readiness or time management all in the same year. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. What was, to change gears really quick, what was your transition from 
from in-class teacher, educator, to a speaker and an educator. Educator, how was that transition? Um, was it a big difference for you? Well, it's funny because um, I was talking, and I know you've had him on your show, Cedric Edison. Mm -hmm. uh, I was talking to him yesterday. We got a chance to finally meet in person because he lives right down the road from us. No and, way. Oh, yeah, yeah. We met in person yesterday. And, um, you know, he is like, he, he, and it's funny, he said the exact same thing that I tell people all the time. Like, people will be like, well, you know, did you go to training to speak or anything? And, you know, he was saying like, well, man, you as a teacher, you know, you, you did, this is what you did all day, every day, right? And I'm like, exactly. Like, yes, exactly. You know, mm -hmm. so no, I never had any special training or anything like, yeah, talking to students that a lot of them weren't really buying into <laughs> to sitting in a classroom and stuff. That was my training, you know, engaging people that, little people that maybe didn't want to be there all the time. So. Mm -hmm. Um, but to talk more about the transition, you know, I never saw myself as a speaker. You know, I never, that, that was never even on my radar for most of my life. Okay. So, um, and then some things moved me in that direction. And then when I started, um, it was just like, you know, I believed I could do it. And I, I saw it as a way out of education because even though I enjoyed being a teacher, I didn't want to make a career out of it or, or spend, well, I did make a career out of it, but I didn't want to spend like till retirement age doing it. Yeah. And uh, so it, it, it just, it was just a matter of like, okay, just looking for opportunities. And, uh, you know, I did some free speaking and, um, you know, and then, it, it, you know, it, it just kind of just, gradually got better and better, you know, as um, I got more into it. And I feel like it also made me a better teacher mm -hmm. along the way. And it was also something I could share with students, like, hey, I do this, you know, I've written a book. And they would get very excited about it. You know, they yeah. would, like, because they, they saw it as, wow, you know, you're going after your dream. And, um, I don't know, I guess it was neat for them to see a teacher doing something outside of just, you know, being in a classroom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's cool. You, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. You taught at Roosevelt High School? Yes, Roosevelt High School what, in San Antonio. What, did, what uh, subject did you teach? I was a special ed inclusion teacher, so okay. I was like special ed support for biology for a few years, which was tough. <laughs> Boy, that's a hard class. And algebra. Say more. Say more. Well, what, was, what was tough about it? Well, you know, just I, I found DNA. <laughs> DNA was tough. Understanding, <laughs> you know, how all that worked together and the sequencing and all that other stuff. That just was. Like, man, I was just probably a step ahead of the students. Gotcha. <laughs> you know? So the physical, it, it was, like the literal information. Yeah, yeah. It gotcha. Was just, okay. Um, yeah, and, and then I did I, algebra. And I mean, I it's funny because I, I didn't consider myself a math whiz or anything when I was in school, but I definitely could grasp algebra a lot better, you know, being a teacher. 
And, mm-hmm. um, you know, but the kids struggled a lot with that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, those are the subjects in high school. Then I did credit recovery. And let me explain what that is, because a lot of people think credit recovery, they think I'm talking about, you know, credit scores and stuff like that. <laughs> but no, <laughs> uh, they made me the credit recovery teacher because you have students that have, you know, they're missing credits because they, you know, absences or just didn't pass the class and, you know, they're helping them to graduate. So they got courses to make up. So that was a pretty easy position because man, my principal put me there because he felt like I was good at relationships with kids. Okay. And those kids are, are basically on their way to dropping out if they don't get these credits. And so you just need, you know, I guess he wanted somebody that would hold the kids to standards, but at the same time could relate to them. And so uh, that was my last position for the last two years. And it actually worked out perfect because those kids sit on a computer most of the day and you're there more so there to manage them. So if I did have a speaking gig or something like that, it wasn't a big deal if I missed. Yeah. You know? Because they, they would just, you know, you get a substitute, but the kids already know they got to come in, do the work on the computer. So pretty simple. Did you have any students that really, really like excelled um, as they worked with you? Yeah, yeah, I, I did. I did. Um, you know, I, it, it's, you know, because, yeah, you know, a lot of times with students, you know, you just never know um, what type of student what the student may need. And so when once you get with them, sometimes you just build, it's all about relationship building. And mm-hmm. so, you know, and it's funny because sometimes it's like, you would think like, you know, you might see this student come in the classroom first day, second day or whatever. And you're like, okay, yeah, here's another another kid, you know, coming in or yeah. whatever. And, uh, and then you get to know them, they get to know you and you really begin to relate to each other. And it's really a neat thing. And it's funny how those bonds can really become lifelong ties, you know, because I mean, even now I'll get messages on social media, like, hey, Mr. Rogers. And and I was even looking at a student today. I'm like, oh, that kid's almost 30. You know, <laughs> this one kid, you know, he got two kids, he just had a baby. And I'm like, man, I can't believe that, that, this kid is almost 30 years old. I remember having this kid in middle school several years ago. And so it's just amazing to see how years pass. But, um, you know, yeah, I mean, you just have those kids where you just, y'all naturally just form a relationship. You have a mutual respect for each other. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, they start to thrive. Gotcha, gotcha. Good. Well, that's that's amazing to hear uh, because there's so many people who and and there's so many students who just who get left behind Mm -hmm. um they don't get the nurturing they need um and unfortunately now sometimes there are students who who got themselves in that position you know they they know better they just don't want to do better true you know yeah i ran into those but, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty neat because for me, like I say, I was a teacher, but it just wasn't all about school. It wasn't about, of course, could you make a test grade or whatever. You know, I really liked kids. You know, I liked the students. You know, I respected them as people. And, uh, you know, that's the most important thing because, yeah, at the end of the day, 
you know, they're not going to be in school forever. You know, they're not going to be in school forever. And to me, here's the reality, okay? I would hear teachers talk about, well, that kid, you know, they can't do geometry. What are they going to do in life? Look, they're going to find something to do, okay? They're going to make a living, all right? You know, making a living, you don't need to read Romeo and Juliet. You know, you don't need to be able to do uh, the Pythagorean theorem and stuff. You know, these kids will do just fine. The majority of them will do just fine. There's a place for them in society. And so, you know, you got to, you know, see them as a person, you know, and I mean, school, you know, the way it's designed nowadays is just not, it's not for everyone, honestly, yeah. you know, it, it takes them so far. So Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. So, hey, 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 y'all, listen, it is time for some action. If you are enjoying the content that you've been listening to, I need you to rate and review. That's it. That's all. Make sure you go to wherever you're listening to this podcast and rate and review it for us. We appreciate you so much. Let's get back to some resilience. Um, I just want to, you know, take a second to acknowledge you because being a teacher is hard. Um, I speak at one of the middle schools here every Wednesday. And today I had the opportunity to speak to a, a different class. And, you know, you can tell that they, they never really experienced anything like that. You know, you have some teachers who really, you know, the school year is almost over. You know, they're kind of checked out. And um, so they're not getting the attention, the nurturing, the, you know, the help that they need to, you know, so they can have a better human ex experience and and be all that they can be. Um, so I just want to say thank you for you know what you've been able to do and how you've influenced and inspired the kids that you've come in contact with. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a challenging job, and you know you have those that. You know, unfortunately, they uh, go their own way. You know, I've had, you know, I've seen kids go to prison and, you know, I've seen them on the news and everything. And it, it's yeah. really sad. Uh, but there's a lot more that do the right things. And a lot of times mm -hmm. we get so hung up on those ones that make choices to, you know, break the law or whatever. But then there's those that, hey, maybe they're not great students, but they're, they're, they're good people. They're just decent people. And, you know, they're not perfect. But, you know, they'll, they'll be fine. And, and so mm -hmm. I think that's just really important is to understand that these kids are just not a, a, a grade or test score, you yeah. know, and, and life is more than that for them. And they're coming from some challenging situations a lot of times. And so, you know, mm -hmm. you got to have a heart for that. At the same time, holding them to standards, because then because I've seen it on each end of the spectrum, either you get teachers that are super tough. Like you don't understand what life's about, you know, and you, you, you know, you got to pull yourself up or then you get the ones like, oh, Johnny, you know, I'm sorry, but you, have to go this. you know, yeah, you don't have to do anything and, you know, rub them on the back. No, we got to have a happy medium. You know, you want to hold them to standards, but at the same time being, you know, empathetic to whatever they're going through. Absolutely. Finding that, that balance, you know, yeah. between teacher and like 
a person with a heart <laughs> who yeah. wants to see me succeed, you know. And not saying that teachers don't have hearts. That's not what I'm saying at all. But finding that balance between, you know, wanting to, you know what, I y'all know what I'm saying. Like finding finding that balance. I'll leave it there. Finding yeah. that balance. Um, you are a you you're a father, aren't you? Yes, I have two daughters. You have two daughters. Um, how old are they? My oldest is 24. She's a special need. She has uh, severe autism. And my youngest is 13. 13 and 24. Awesome. Awesome. So um, your youngest, uh, she does she run track? Yeah, she, she ran track for the first too. time. Yeah, she played volleyball. She ran track for the first time this season. Uh, she spent eight years in gymnastics. So yeah, she's she's pretty active. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's it what's it like being a being a girl dad? I mean, I love it. Um, I love it. You know, I, I, I can't even see myself with boys <laughs> at this point. Um, <laughs> it, it's been fun. And like I said, my oldest was, you know, she's special needs. So that that's a whole different dynamic right there. And so it's just um, but you know, I'm blessed to have, you know, my youngest you know, who's giving me the, the experiences of, you know, being, I guess, a parent to a kid without a disability. Mm -hmm. And so um, it, it's been a blast. It's been something I've definitely, you know, I don't take lightly and I, I want to be there as much as I can for everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's what's, what's one of the, I'm going to get, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to go. What is what do you find to be very, very difficult with um, having a, a child with special needs and, and having a child without special needs? Do you find, what's the biggest challenge? Well, you know, I mean, the youngest one, she's, she's very helpful. Um, so honestly, I really can't say it's a challenge, you mm -hmm. know, with her um, because she, she, she loves her sister, you know, she helps out. Uh, great kid. Um, yeah. You know, my oldest um, is more so worrying about her future, you know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, because if, if we're real, the normal cycle of life, um, you know, kids outlive their parents. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's probably the major concern is just making sure that, you know, she's set up in the future for, you know, when you know, her parents aren't around or, you know, even her mm -hmm. sister, you know, maybe, you know, I don't want to, um, you know, I don't want her sister to feel like she's totally responsible, you know, for her older sister's well-being, even though I know she has a heart for it already, but, yeah. you know, that's a, that's a, a big task, you know, so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How... Did you, did you know that your oldest um, was going to be special needs uh, before she was born? No, no, uh, no, no, not at all. Um, you know, everything was pretty normal for the most part. Um, the pregnancy, you know, with her, her mother went, went normal for the most part. And, uh, 
for the first year and a half, you know, she pretty much hit hit all her milestones. She was doing fine. And uh, by about the time she got two, you know, me and her mother noticed some regression. And, uh, you know, we, we ended up taking her in and then they did some more testing and, uh, you know, they, they diagnosed her with autism at about, probably about two and a half, between two and a half and three. And so, no, we had no clue. Yeah. Yeah. What was, what was that? And if this is, and if this is too much, please, please, you know, let me know. Mm -hmm. uh, what was that, what was that, that initial feeling like? How did you feel initially? When you got Good that question, I mean, you know, as a dad, you know, I mean, I was always excited to be a father. And uh, so for me, it was just, you know, it was a feeling of disappointment because, you know, it changes the trajectory of being a parent because, mm -hmm. you, you know, when you have a kid that needs extra attention and everything, it's just not going to be the same. And, you know, I wasn't fully educated on autism, you know, at that time and, uh, you know, but I'd already looked it up and it's like, well, you know, the first thing you're thinking is like, is it curable? And then, you know, I look it up like, oh, it's not curable. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's a spectrum illness. Well, I don't want to say illness, but it's a spectrum disorder. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, it can vary. You know, some kids have, you can barely even tell that they have anything going on. Uh, on the spectrum and then some like my daughter you know it's pretty much more obvious and then they even have some that's worse um, <laughs> as far as their their abilities and everything like that so um, you know it, it's it, that's that was the more the feeling but you know it's like hey I'm gonna love on her and be you know be dad and try to make it you know make it as fulfilling you know as possible and so, yeah absolutely what mm -hmm. What is a, a lesson that you've learned um, raising your oldest? A lesson? Um, I'll say, you know, I'll say this. What is, what is your most valuable lesson that you've learned? Well, I mean, I think just the fact that it's exposed me to, and isn't this actually been a gift? Um, mm -hmm. It exposed me to understanding kids with special needs more. And uh, it gave me hands-on experience. And so um, I think it, it, it's uh, increased my empathy mm -hmm. for people because you just never know what, what what's going on. I mean, there's a number of times I went into work and maybe I'd been up all night with my, my, my oldest, you know, because she was having trouble speaking or maybe she had a meltdown or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and of course, I wasn't going around just sharing that with everybody and not broadcasting it or anything. But, you know, it's just a, it just makes you think like, you know, you never know, you know, what people may be, be dealing with uh, behind the scenes. But it also blessed me because when I started speaking, that's what I spoke on. I spoke on special education because I figured, you know what, I have insight into being a parent to a kid with special needs. And then I'm also in education. And so I, I can talk to both sides of it. And I've actually had to educate people, even uh, co-workers that were in special education. I remember one was like, man, you know, he, he was a teacher and he's like, these parents, they sit there and let these kids do nothing all day, you know? And, um, 
you know, they need to be doing this. They need to be doing that. And I'm like, hey, hold up, hold up. You know, I'm like, look, just like your car breaks now or you got a plumbing issue at your house, these people got the same thing going on. They got money issues. But then now they got a kid that they got to worry about that needs way more attention than a kid that's normally developing. And mm. I say, yeah, there's resources out there, but, you know, you got to fill a stack of paperwork every time you access a resource, you know? And so it's very time consuming. It can wear on you. And, you know, I say, you at least just, you know, understand that, you know, it's like life is not stopping from them. Life, nobody's cutting them any slack because they got a kid with a disability. And that's, you know, it's the most difficult thing is a lot of times in life, you know, we bring about our own troubles, okay? Mm -hmm. Whereas when you have a kid with a disability, that's not something you brought on, you know? It's just yeah. something that most of the time, majority of the time, it just randomly happens, you know? And so that's what's really, really tough because yeah, a lot of times people could be like, yeah, I made a bad choice with a relationship or you know, I made some bad decisions. You know, you can really narrow it down to something you've done. This right here, having a kid with a disability, there's nothing most of the time that anyone has done to say, oh, you, this is what you get for that, you yeah. know? So, and so I, I think that, 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 you know, that has to be put out there sometimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have um, any advice to um, maybe a parent that's listening to this who just found out, you know, that their child would um, have special needs or they're going through the process of figuring out if they do or not. Uh, do you have any advice um, to give them? Oh, I would just say, you know, definitely stay as involved as you can in their education. Um, you know, reach out to the, you know, the community. Um, you know, there's organizations out there that will, Point, point you in the right direction as far as resources. Um, there's usually an, an ARC, ARC in mm -hmm. almost every town, city that um, it, it stands, I, I, I don't want to say the wrong, what the letters stand for, because I may be wrong or it may sound a little harsh, but I almost feel like it was like, it stands for Association of Retarded Citizens, you know, which of course that's an outdated term. Okay. But, um, and they may have changed their, <laughs> what the letters stand for, but it's called the mm -hmm. ARC. And usually they have social workers and everything that can provide resources in the community that you can utilize. Uh, also, just stay very, very involved in your kids' education. You know, make sure you're going to the IEP meetings, asking questions, calling teachers if you see there's a problem, because teachers are human. And if you if if teachers see that you're giving your kid a lot of attention by following up with the teachers and checking in, then they're going to take better care of your kids in the classroom. You know, and I I, I know that might not sound uh, politically correct or whatever, but it's just, that's just the reality of it. You know, the squeaky <laughs> wheel gets the oil. So I'm not saying you got to raise hell, but you know, just make sure that you are. Um, you know, make sure that they're aware that, hey, you're keeping tabs on things, that you're following up. It's it just simple things like that, you know, can stand out to a teacher. 
and awesome. will better your kids' education. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for that. Because um, I, you know, I have no experience whatsoever. Um, my wife worked with um, with a guy who had, um, it was on the spectrum. And so just, you know, my interactions with him and his family has been, you know, absolutely amazing. He is uh, about a month older than I am. And he is uh, just a joy to be around. And the the impact, he's had um, several DSPs over his lifetime, you know, and my wife working with him, he, he, he speaks now, like, you know, he knows like sign languages, like to use the mm-hmm. restroom or, you know, time for lunch or if you want a cookie. So um, it's just awesome to see uh, the, the amount of love that, that those, those children and those adults that they get um, because it's, it's needed, and so often I feel like they get left behind. Mm-hmm. You know, they get the short end of the stick, like more times than not, and that's it's just horrible to see. Um, mm-hmm. And I also wanted to also highlight, you know, you and your expertise and your, you know, hands-on experience and the information you were able to provide for, you know, our parents who may be facing something like this. Um, maybe in the future or whatever the case may be, they can always come back to this and really, really connect and resonate with what you had to say. So that's awesome. What what has been your greatest accomplishment in the past year and a half? Greatest accomplishment? Past year and a half, I, I would say probably getting engaged. You know, <laughs> honestly. Congratulations! Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, just finding that 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 person. Uh, it, I mean, it's been a great relationship. You know, having moved on from a previous relationship, mm-hmm. and you know, you're always kind of like, ah, oh, you know, I don't know. You know, I don't know how it's going to, you know, I'll be by myself the rest of my life. You know, I'm okay with that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, finding that that someone special that, you know, I feel like we just really vibe together. We have a lot of fun. You know, we, we support each other and we just really in each other's corner. I, I would have to say that's, you know, I guess if that's an accomplishment, then, yeah, I would have to say that that is. That most definitely is. Um, and so... It's so crazy in the world today and, you know, finding that, that person, finding your person um, (laughs) is, wow, we have to go through a lot, you know, and I definitely, you know, finding that person is definitely an accomplishment that, you know, stands to be praised um, because it's so difficult nowadays and and to add to add to it you know you have your daughters as well and I'm and I'm sure she pours into them and loves them you know as much as she possibly can right so you know there's a lot of there's a lot of madness in the world and 
kudos to you for finding your solace. <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's we we live we're living in crazy crazy times, Mr. Mills. <laughs> we're living in crazy times. Um what is if you if you had to give someone who is looking to embark on their speaking journey if you had one piece of advice to give them what would it be uh, be persistent <laughs> you know don't be thin-skinned because you're gonna get rejected a lot um you know everybody i followed um you know that has you know that that's more prominent they all say that you know, they all say that you're going to get rejected and, you know, you're going to have to just be persistent, keep grinding. And uh, so I think that would be the main thing. Just, and just try different things. You know, um, a lot of times people are very hesitant to try something new and um, or they're worried about failure. And you really can't be afraid of that. There, there's nothing that's going to really just... Uh, just stop you in your tracks, you know. Mm -hmm. um, there, there's things, yeah, things will happen, but you just got to kind of shake it off and just keep it moving. Um, like I said, I mean, I can think of one experience when I first started speaking, and it's crazy even to this day that I think when I think about it, like I had an opportunity to speak at a college, and it was, a, um, yeah, it, it was a pretty nice ceremony, but I was mm -hmm. new to speaking, but I was happy that I got the the uh, engagement. And so um, as I'm walking on stage, I mean, literally, they introduced me like, we got our speaker today, you know, Mills Rogers. And as I'm walking on the stage, I'm stepping on the stage. The guy that introduced me is like, oh, yeah, by the way, we didn't get your PowerPoint loaded. And I'm like, he, he, and he's like, is that okay? And I'm like, I'm <laughs> I don't have a choice, right? <laughs> um, I just had to go with the flow, you know, and uh, I don't feel like it was my best talk, especially at that time being a fairly new speaker. And so, you know, but I, I just shared that to say, you know what, that, that didn't stop me. Mm -hmm. Okay. It didn't stop me from getting another gig and another gig. And, you know, now I'm like 50 colleges in. You know, so, uh, you know, that's what I'm saying. You just got to be persist persistent and, like you say, resilient, you know, got to keep it going. So that would, that would probably be the, the best word of advice. Be resilient, be persistent. Don't give up. You know, nothing, yeah. nothing is fatal. Nothing is fatal. I like that. I, li I like that. Um, that might be the... The title to this one, Nothing is Fatal with Mills Rogers, right? That's awesome. Say, relationships, aren't, relationships aren't fatal. Bad speaking engagements are fatal. Nothing is fatal except, except death, right? Yeah, you always can bounce back like little Sean. I'm just saying, right? <laughs> what, um, how can we find you on social media? How can we uh, support you? Uh, you can find me on social media at Rogers Speaks or by my name, Mills Rogers. Um, you know, I'm on Instagram, 
Twitter. I don't do too much on Twitter. Uh, Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, my website, like I mentioned earlier, is success is a process, not an event. Oh, I'm sorry. Success is a process. The name of, name of one of my books is success is a process, not an event. But the website is www.successisaprocess.net. And on there, you can find links to my books. And you'll find videos and things of that nature on there, pictures and everything. And, uh, just you know, what topics I talk about. And so, yeah, that's that's probably probably the best way to to you know follow whatever I'm doing. Perfect, perfect. Um, okay, bada bada boom. One final question, then I'll go ahead and get out of your hair. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, this is this is a good one. Oh, <laughs> oh what does resilience mean to you? That's a good one. Yeah, resilience just means, you know, you, you look, you're going to experience some disappointments. You're going to experience some losses. I like to say this in my talks. Champions don't win every game, but they still can become champions. They can still win mm -hmm. championships. And so, yeah, we're, you're going to have some losses along the way. You know, here's the thing. You don't want the majority of your days to be lost. Right. You want the majority of your days to be wins, just like a championship team. All right. There's hardly any team, especially in professional sports, that goes undefeated. All right. Mm -hmm. They all going to lose a few games every season, you know, relatively speaking. But at the end of the season, there's going to be somebody that's going to be considered a champion, even though they lost a few games. All right. And so that's the same. That's what resilience means to me. That, you know, you want to take a loss from time to time and, you know, you got to wake up the next day and be like, you know, it's a new day and I learned this from my loss, you know, the day before that didn't go so well. And, uh, you know, I got to keep fighting because that's what it's, it's, it's all about. You got to keep fighting. That's you awesome. You right. got to keep fighting. Yeah. You know, that right. is, you're all right. That is resilience in action. Mills, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. It was my pleasure. Awesome. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Resilience in Action with Erin Brown. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And I want you to remember one thing, Resilience in action will always lead to a greater human experience.